So it is the late afternoon of December 25th. Beautiful day. 70 degrees. Got out with the horses. And um, I'm not a Christian, so Christmas to me is like Veterans Day or Labor Day, Memorial Day. It's has meaning for some people, but not for me. Well, it does have meaning because sometimes it annoys me, all the <clears throat> materialistic things that are around Christmas now. It's not about Jesus anymore, and Jesus was a great, great spiritual prophet, avatar. So this also kind of brings up for me some something to think about that... Um, when you are in groups with people, for those of you who do not just stay in your little tiny clique of your church group or your work group, etc., but you mingle with other people, it's really important in this day and age to not assume everybody is heterosexual, white, even if they look white, they may not be, Christian, or anything else, rich, poor, single, divorced, in pain, not in pain. In other words, develop a sensitivity. Tune in to people and uh, ask questions also. You can say things like, if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. And if you don't, I'm just sending you a hug for today. <laughs> so you can do that. And when you are talking about couples and love, you might say spouse, but also partner. Um, we can even go as far as the English language is changing in some ways of instead of using the words him and her, she and he, that we just use they and their meaning people are not being held to a gender or a particular sexual orientation in their love life. So these things are part of being a conscious, awakened person, and I encourage you to open your mind and your sensitivities and your mindfulness and your awareness in all of those areas everywhere you go, because one of the things we've seen in these last four years is the ugly face of racism, anti-Semitism, anti-gay, and the violence that goes with that. So if you don't want to be one of those people, go out of your way to not be one of those people. It's really needed in this particular time on Earth, especially in the United States. Another thing I wanted to talk about is talking. That... You are in a human body, you incarnated into a human body, and there's a reason for that. You incarnated into your race, uh, your gender, your gender choices, your ethnicity, your religious or spiritual choices, etc. One of the things that comes with being a human is we can talk. <laughs> and in order to heal, you're going to have to talk because especially with shame, there is no way you can heal shame without talking. And a lot of people like to work with a psychic because their fantasy is, is that I will, being the psychic in this example, 
I will know everything and uh, work some magic and healing and you won't have to talk. You won't have to go through anything. You won't have to relive the experiences. You won't have to face your shame. You won't have to apologize. You won't have to make amends. Because after all, you're working with a psychic who already knows anything. So can't we just get down to the energy work? And the answer to that is no. You, the energy work can help you get braver. But braver in order to talk and do your work. So non-talking is also powerful for those who talk too much. Then, yes, we want to harmonize with not talking in terms of meditation and energy work. But I find a lot more issue with people's um, inability, but more concerning their unwillingness to start becoming brave enough to share, even in a safe place, even with someone they say they feel safe with. So I have two suggestions around this. Uh, One is... Go to adult children of alcoholic meetings. They're all over the place now, thanks to the pandemic. There are meetings pretty much all day, all night long, because you can go globally. You can attend a meeting in Australia. You can attend a meeting in Africa. You can attend a meeting in New York. Also, that would help you with the talking circle that we have here at Life Path Healings on Tuesday nights to see what it looks like to have a group that has boundaries and respect and limits and uh, protocols for safety. And it will also help you get braver about the quality of your shares because nobody can make you brave. You have to get brave. You, you all seem to love the Glennon Doyle, you know, we can do hard things and talking can be one of those things. If going to an adult children of alcoholic group is too much for you, and by the way, um, those groups are defined as for people who grew up in an alcoholic family or a family with other kinds of dysfunction, meaning you can just have crazy parents, absent parents, lazy parents, divorce, poverty, racism, war. Um, So there was dysfunction in the family because of sociological issues, not just personal. So that's what you need to qualify for ACA is that you understand you have some severe childhood issues. You have, you were not taught healthy skills. You did not have healthy parenting. It does not have to include alcoholism. So if you find ACA too daunting, <clears throat> you can start off with a more lighthearted uh, process of desensitization. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's a psychological term for phobias. And public speaking happens to be probably one of the largest phobias in the population. But let's say you're afraid of rabbits. So desensitization might be talking about rabbits first, and then maybe eventually looking at a picture of a rabbit or a stuffed toy of a rabbit and then maybe seeing a video of rabbits and then maybe seeing a rabbit in a cage through a one-way mirror and you're in another room and finally uh, maybe having a rabbit in a cage in the room and then the rabbit comes out of the cage etc etc so it's it's low exposure doses of low exposure until you're 
nervous system gets <coughs> desensitized enough to handle the phobia. So, going to Toastmasters, another um, organization that's everywhere, and you can usually find a meeting, especially now with Zoom, um, you can usually find a meeting that will fit your schedule. And Toastmasters is a place where you can talk about silly stuff, nothing important, just topics. They have what's called table topics, meaning um, you kind of pick something out of the hat and then you get to talk about it. And everybody claps and everybody supports each other and there's prizes and it's just fun. And it's also a great program. There's um, lots of people... So there's lots of people <clears throat> I know of that, um, for example, a friend of mine got a PhD and she was brilliant, but she then got hired for teaching and she couldn't talk. She was terrified of talking. So she went to Toastmasters and within, I think, a month she was winning all the prizes and she just had a blast. Other people I know who, you kind of can't shut them up in private, but... Apparently, when they had something important to say to a group, they suffered. So they went to Toastmasters, and it's less scary than ACA in some ways because you're not talking about anything with emotional attachment to it. You're talking about topics. I just want to encourage you all to consider that if you want to escalate accelerate your spiritual development the more you clean up your human life the more room you have for spiritual development until you clean up your human life and heal the more spirit has to work around the potholes in your life the trigger spots etc and now you're asking spirit to heal your human life whereas if you work on your human life spirit can then help you more with your energetic and soul development remember that the life you chose the incarnation you chose all the challenges all the blessings that is your spiritual path. That Your soul came down here and said, I want to live through these experiences because it's going to help my soul become more advanced, wake up, and will allow me to blossom as a soul. So doing your human work is not like, ah, psychology, and childhood, and I want to work on my chakras and stuff. Okay, go ahead. That's kind of like a little kid saying, I want to eat chocolate instead of my vegetables. And then you'll learn your lessons when you're a diabetic. So embrace your wounds. Embrace your human life. 
And ACA is a spiritual program, which is great. It's not a psychological program. It is a program between you and your higher power in front of lots of other fellow travelers who are seriously working on themselves as well. Can't say enough good about it. <clears throat> There's other programs too, Codependents Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous. They're all great. People I see the most, though, are people with ACA issues. Uh, many people go to more than one program. For example, if they're an overeater, it's also because they're an ACA person or a codependent person. And one of the ways they self-medicate is to overeat. So they go to two programs instead of just one. Moving along, um, I have unfriended some people on Facebook. Please don't take it personally. There is uh, a lot of hate groups around, um, and I have had to deal with that on certain levels. And so for safety's sake, if I just limit contact, uh, it's less work for me. Let's just put it that way. So um, Instagram and Facebook page for Life Path Healings. Still there, still open, just my personal Facebook page. Too many trolls attacking my cultural background as well as my own outlook on life in general. So thank you for understanding that. So the thought on my mind, the principle on my mind today is detachment. <clears throat> and... Some of this came up because I've been posting Ram Das videos and I was wondering why wasn't I into Ram Das when I was younger? He was around. Well, when I was younger, I was a social activist and I thought things like meditating and being spiritual were white privilege and not serving and not helping the planet. And also, if I look at my life chart, I was meant to be a humanitarian and an activist. But there's another part to it as well, which is I'm listening to Ram Dass and I'm realizing I would have not understood one word of what he was saying, not really, without the spiritual experiences that I had under my belt, so to speak. In other words, now when he's talking about energy and bhakti and uh, the mir miracles and miraculous connections with his guru, I know exactly what he's talking about. And I also understand that I, if I had listened to him when I was younger or in the beginning of my spiritual work, I would have learned these concepts and being a bit of a perfectionist, especially more so in the past than I am now, I would have tried to make those concepts come true. Concepts like detachment or concepts like feeling energy. Pia, get off the street. No street. Good girl. So I'm really glad that I'm discovering, rediscovering him. Um, if you like some of the videos, they're on the Facebook page, not on Instagram. There's a YouTube channel for Ram Dass. There's also one for, called Be Here Now, but those videos have long introductions that basically 
say everything Ram Dass says first, and then you hear Ram Dass say it. So I don't like that channel. But um, <clears throat> I want to talk about detachment, and I want you to keep in mind that we don't work on detachment. Detachment is given to us as grace by spirit. Just like forgiveness, I think you all know I don't work on forgiveness. I work on hate, revenge, grief, envy, jealousy, all those things. And I learn from them, and I process them, and I see how they affect my body, and I see how I made decisions based on all those emotions, and I see how my self-care was awful when those things come up, and see how punishing those thoughts are, self-punishing. And then one day, I will notice it's gone. Whatever thing I was working on, whatever resentment, jealousy, hate, betrayal, etc. It's, I think of that person and it's all good. And I get the lesson that came out of it that was beautiful. I get a lot of what the person did and where they were coming from, even though that's none of my business. It's just extra information that comes in. And I'm free. That person no longer is a thorn in my side. I don't hate them. I love their soul. If they are destructive to me, I will keep them at arm's length. I will keep boundaries. But it's not acrimonious anymore. It's just like I don't bring a rattlesnake into my lap. I leave it alone or I move it out of the yard. So that's forgiveness to me. It's grace granted to me when I learn the lesson I need to learn. Delivered by someone who, as Pema Chodron has talked about and all the gurus have talked about, that people who hurt us, they're our greatest teachers. So I want to talk a little bit about detachment. And this also reminds me too, when I'm listening to Ram Dass, that it's everything my teacher has said he's talking about. It's what Pema Chodron has said, what Yogananda, Muktananda, Rajneesh, <laughs> Sai Baba, all the people talk about the same thing. And it makes me really kind of settle into these are different practices and different spokespersons, and, there, and even Jesus said the same thing. Christians, Catholics, that's another thing. Their, their interpretation of Jesus is, I call that into question a lot, especially these days. But Jesus also says the same thing as Sai Baba, and as Ram Dass, and as Maharishi, etc. So, I'm so inspired that there are these truths out there, and the truths are related to a practice, and the practice is related to these outcomes that are given to us as a result of the practice, not given to us because we went out to go get them. In other words, I do all my hate work, I'm granted forgiveness. So detachment is one of those other areas of grace. And there's a lot of misconception about detachment.
Detachment doesn't mean you don't feel. Detachment means you feel deeply, more deeply than with attachment, because attachment is the ego. Detachment means that you feel deeply, but the feelings don't own you. They have no grasp on you. They're like waves coming in from the ocean. Each wave is different. Each wave is special. Each wave you can body surf or surf or just look at the curl and how the water foams. And then there's another wave. Attachment is a form of suffering. Attachment means that I love something or care about something because it has meaning to me. I care about someone suffering because then I can help them and I feel like a better person for helping them. I love somebody because then hopefully they'll love me back. Or perhaps if I love them or act like I love them, they'll treat me like I'm special and then I will feel special. So attachment is always a feeling with a subterranean or unconscious goal outcome in mind. I love my work. I love my work and now it defines me. I'm attached to it because it gives me meaning, it gives me status, it gives me a purpose, it gives me a structure. It keeps me from being uh, depressed. It's a distraction. So how do we work on non-attachment? How do we work on attachments so that spirit can grant us detachment? So when we don't actively work on attachments, spirit will teach us about it through loss. You'll lose a job, you'll lose a marriage, you'll lose um, your house, you'll lose your health, and now you find out how attached you are to those things. So that's a rough way to learn, in my opinion. When we work on attachment, how we start is by owning it. Just like with forgiveness, we work on owning our real emotions, not working towards forgiveness. So with attachment, I begin to look at what am I attached to? My big house, my beautiful cars, the way my hair is done. And I own it. This is why I love it. This is what it does for me, etc. Attachments are like, if we look at romance, attachments are like, here's the honeymoon phase. And everything's amazing and great. And then you get married. And then a few years later, you see all the baggage that comes along in the marriage. And if you married because of attachment, not because of a deeper love, you'll get sick of that marriage and you'll either cheat or you'll gain weight so you don't have to have sex or you numb out so you don't talk to each other. So you end up kind of living in the same house but not having a relationship really. So attachment is like that. It is, there's a honeymoon period. Oh, I got a big house. Oh, I got a job. Oh, I got the man or the woman that I wanted to get. And this has meaning for me. And it's fulfilling me. And I'm feeling better because of this external thing that I have. And then 
it's like all things, the honeymoon period will wear off and then you're going to look for another attachment. I have the big house. Okay, well now I need beautiful furniture. I have beautiful furniture. Okay, now I need a housekeeper. You have a housekeeper. No. <laughs> and after a while, you're going to start to notice the price you're paying for your attachments. And I'm not saying it's a bad price, but you own your lifestyle. Okay, I have a big house. I have cars. I work three jobs so I can have more money. And let me see what it's doing to my body. Let me see what it's doing to my kids. Let me see what it's doing to my health. And let me own all of that. that. Yes, I am attached. I'm willing to do all of this, even though when I look at all the outcomes, they add up to a lot of dysfunction. I remember talking to a woman and she uh, said, yeah, you know, I may, managed to make $300,000 one year as a chiropractor. And, uh, yeah, and me and my husband, uh, we had kids, but, you know, we were going out to like these BDSM sex parties and, you know, I was exhausted and then we're doing the BDSM and we're trying to hide it from the kids. And, and I was, I can't tell you the, the, uh, I don't know the horror that swept through my body that this was someone who was doing it all. Money, children, exotic sex, (laughs) and none of them could be done well. And it turned out that her kids had been sexually abused. She didn't even know it. And uh, when she found out, the reaction was kind of like, uh, getting a spot out of the rug. Yeah, that's something. Uh, they'll have to go to therapy, something like that. And my horror was, what kind of society is this or culture? Or maybe it was the family culture that said, getting all those things all at once while each element paid a price the sexuality paid a price, the children paid a price, and I'm sure that making $300,000 at a chiropractor charging like $50 a session, the patients paid a price, her health paid a price. And yet somehow all those attachments made sense to her. She is only but one example of pretty much everybody I begin to work with when they uh, talk about lifestyle choices they've made. And it's always the answer is, I'm doing this because. (laughs) So we look at our attachments and find out, first of all, if they are attachments, which means we're doing them for an outcome. Because when we check in how it actually feels emotionally and energetically, they don't feel good. They don't make sense. If we do this kind of work, instead of letting dysfunction go on for, you know, 10 or 15 years while your kids are being raised, and you find out you've been checked out, you've been numbed out, you've been disassociating, you've been keeping yourself busy so you didn't have to be present, and that's how you raise the future generation who's going to repeat the same pattern. So when we take on attachment work, we are breaking the family chains, the genetic chains of dysfunction. Motorcycles.
we look at the things that we like a lot and we can't imagine living without them. And then we start to look at what we get from liking those things. What are our thoughts behind liking those things? We look at people we have chosen to get close to or have feelings about, and we look at the same thing. What am I getting out of it? What would happen if I was without that thing or that person? What would change in my life? What's at stake here? And when we begin to do this kind of work, whenever we work on ourselves, I have found that spirit steps in. Spirit goes, oh, look, she's working on codependency. Great. We're going to bring in those lessons because she's doing the work. Otherwise, what spirit has to do is just wake you up. And that usually takes a big event, an accident, an illness, embarrassment, an argument, something like that, just to wake you up. That's not to even get you doing the work. It's like, wake up. So when you begin to look at your attachments, spirit will start to come in and help to free you. When you start to get freed from attachments, it doesn't mean you give things up. It doesn't mean that you lose things or you have to part with them. It means that you will lose being owned by them, being a slave to them, changing your behavior, your emotions, your uh, choices, your priorities, because something outside of you owns you. If anything, detachment allows you to feel more, love more, and connect more. Because there's no outcome. It's like I can fully swim in the ocean of your love and come out of it. And I'm still connected to myself and to source. That's detachment. Attachment. Attachment is... I can't go that far because then he or she will take advantage of me or if they leave off all apart or if I do, they won't continue to be polite to me. And we have all this manipulation and all this politics around our choices. The other thing about detachment that is amazing is that we can be the space for people to grow. Our detachment, our complete uh, non-interest in an outcome is the healing energy of a shaman, of a guru, of a teacher. In other words, if you're sitting in front of me and your child just committed suicide and um, your mother had a nervous breakdown as a result and your husband left you or your wife left you, that if you are a person of detachment and connection to self and spirit, you can handle that pain. It will not exhaust you. It will not drain you. You will not feel compelled to solve this person's problem. You will not run away from their grief because it's triggering grief in you. You literally can dive into that ocean with them without becoming them, without 
being overwhelmed by their projections, their emotions. Detachment means that you're less manipulated also because you have no agenda. So if somebody guilt trips you or plays the victim with you, you, yeah, I got it. And it's another way. Yeah, I got it. Whoa, that's terrible. That's awful. But there's no thought of how will I fix this? What should I do? I need to be a good person. What's the correct response? All these attachment thoughts. But you cannot fake detachment. And people who do that, by the way, are sociopaths. They mock up emotions, they mock up responses, but they literally have no feelings. They have no empathy, they have no compassion. So don't aim to act detached. And what does that look like, acting detached? Toxic positivity, gaslighting. Gaslighting is when somebody says, oh, you know, this is happening. You go, oh, I'm sure it'll be okay, and I'll pray for you, and God will take care of you. That's gaslighting. Somebody is going through hell, you want to say, yeah, I got it. I can actually feel it with you. I feel that hell that you're going through. That's their hell. They have a right to go through it. None of your business as to whether it's right or wrong and they need to get over it right now. And you can't heal it. Spirit's going to heal it. But you can join it. So we know that people who gaslight are people in a great deal of denial with a great deal of attachment. And people with a great deal of attachment use attachment as a way to not feel, to not be present, to manipulate and gain power in order to feel safe. And to control their own emotions. When you have an attachment while you're feeling your feelings, in the back of your mind, there's also, I need to do this to keep the house. I need to do this so my husband will keep paying the bills. I need to do this so I don't get fired. I need to do this, etc. So, like everything in spirituality, this kind of spirituality, we chop wood, carry water. Why do we talk about then forgiveness or detachment if we can't give that to ourselves? It's granted to us as grace by spirit. Well, I talk about it so that when it happens, you will recognize it for the miracle that it is. In other words, when forgiveness is granted to me, it's so subtle. I can't even say when it started. I can't even tell you when the grief, the hate, the jealousy, the rage ended and the complete peace and compassion even of, wow, that person did this to me and I'm okay with it. I learned all this stuff and I don't really have an agenda with that person anymore. What a relief. When these things happen, by the way, you'll see health issues disappear, you'll see weight drop off, all sorts of things let go when we are granted grace. For the grace of detachment is also subtle. You won't notice right away. In fact, I always find it fun to try to trace back, like, when did this happen? <laughs> I never have an answer, but it's fun to kind of look back. 
when did I stop caring so much that I do good at this job for other reasons than it's fun and I like the job and I want to do good because I care. I, I just care. Like uh, when I'm cooking a meal, I care about cooking that meal. It doesn't mean I'm a professional chef or I'm obsessive. It just means when you're in a mindful lifestyle, a self-aware lifestyle, you do everything with mindfulness, consideration, care, and awareness. When we become more detached, we notice that our encounters with people, there's barely any recovery time needed. You don't have to, quote, pull yourself back together again because you didn't go anywhere. You weren't owned by anything. You, you swam in the ocean of their experience and you understood that they were in the arms of a higher power and that you might be a channel for some of that higher power. But if you're a channel for that higher power, meaning you have no idea what's really coming through you to them, you're not invested and you're not exhausted. It's quite spectacular. To me, I call these miracles, absolute miracles. The ugly work, though, is... Going back to what, what this uh, podcast started off with, going back to talking, you have to talk about your attachments, you have to talk about your greed, you have to talk about your ego, you have to talk about your shame, your rage, your jealousy, all those things that make you not look good. Because if you're worried about looking good, you're working with attachment. And one of the fastest ways to work with detachment is to work with attachment rather than hiding it or faking it or running away from it. Bring it out in the open. Shake it out. Get all the dirt and the bugs out of the blanket. You'll be shocked to find out how quickly your quality of life starts to change. Working on those things without talking about them is an attachment. You're so sure that if you talk about this stuff, you will just burst into flames. You can't handle it. You're too embarrassed. You're too ashamed. You're sure no one else feels this way. Well, consider going to ACA. You can just listen. Listen, 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 listen until you get the courage to share There's other ways, but I think these two that I'm talking about in order to get good at talking are the two best ways that I know of. But you might find another answer for yourself. So it's getting cold. Going home to start a fire. And I hope you all had a wonderful holiday season so far for those of you who celebrate Christmas. And journey on.